Good afternoon. <clears throat> it is December the 29th. Holy cow, December 29th already. 2022, Thursday, the octave of Christmas, the feast of St. Uh, Benedict Moore out of uh, St. Thomas Moore, sorry. Benedict Moore. Whose feast day is it? The bishop in, uh, <laughs> the bishop who was killed in, um, um, you know, in England. And so, Thomas Beckett. There you go. St. Thomas Beckett, commemoration of St. Thomas Beckett. So, welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards. So, the first thing we must do is pray in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God of love and mercy, God of new beginnings and hope. We come before you and we ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may know you, love you, and serve you, that we may get out of the way and let your Son, Jesus, live in us and through us, that we may begin this new year in you, not looking at ourselves, but always looking at you in the future, not ourselves and our past. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, Pray for us, good St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome, everybody. Today, since New Year's is on Sunday, New Year's Eve is Saturday night, I wanted to focus on the first half hour about the new beginning, the new creation we are in Christ. And because, I, again, I don't believe that most people get it. That it's just like, oh, yes, I become a Christian or I get baptized and nothing really changes. And that's a lie from the evil one. Our whole existence changes. Our very being changes on an ontological level as our deepest part of our being when we are baptized gets transformed. When we go to confession, our our very soul, there's a, a transfiguration, if you will, that happens. And again, as I've said a million times, if you've ever listened to me, is the devil always keeps us focused on ourselves and our past. And Jesus says, you look at me and you look at the future. And that's where we find our hope. And that's where we find the new beginning that God wants to give us. And not that the, um, the new year is just about a new beginning. In fact, I would encourage you, you don't have to do it on the exact uh, January 1st. You can do it before, you can do it after, but you begin again in Christ. So sometimes uh, dates help us to focus on, okay, it's time for me to re-begin. But it's much different what I'm going to be talking about than making a New Year's resolution. A New Year's resolution is all about you and what you are going to decide to do. And by your power, you're going to mess up 98% of the time, or you might make it, but you might make it by the skin of your teeth. But again, anything that keeps you focused or me focused on ourselves is not of God. Our spirituality, it keeps us focused on ourselves. Our walk with the Lord, it keeps us focused on ourselves instead of the Lord. Um, anything that keeps us focused on ourselves. Huh? And again, if you've heard me before, you know that the biggest thing is... Uh, it's not about you. It's not about me. Now, I say that quite easily. I'm pretty good at that, but I'm not so good at living that. Huh? And that's why uh, we get these new beginnings that we say, okay, it's time to refocus and focus more on the Lord and less on ourselves. Focus on his power and his strength and less on our strength and our uh, commitment. It's all grace, the free gift of God. We have to avail ourselves to this grace, and we got to uh, hold on to it. And that's what this new year is about. The, the, the new year already began for the church the first week of Advent. So again, this is just a reminder, and I always go back to my Bible here. And again, in this Bible, it's all falling apart, especially Galatians. Galatians, one of my favorite uh, verse uh, letters in the Bible as you've all heard from me a thousand times, Galatians 2.15 or uh, 19 and 20, I mean, um, I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live now is no longer my own. Jesus Christ lives inside of me. So the life I live 
is a life of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. But you see who that's focused on. It's focused on Jesus who loved me and gave his life for me. It's focused on I no longer live, so I'm dead. It's Christ who lives in me. So this is a time to make this real, to stop just going through the motions, to stop, well, Father, this is the way I do things. I don't care the way you do things. I don't care the way I do things. I care about what God's calling us to. huh? And that's just so important that we, we really focus on that. And again, I think that too many, no, none of you, of course, but too many people in walking in the spiritual life is they're just trying to make decisions on their own, saying, well, I think this would be a good fit. Um, but never really asking God where he's calling us to, huh? And those kinds of decisions are horrible, horrible decisions. When you and I try to make decisions what we think instead of what God thinks. So this is where this new beginning has to come. That So when it might begin like, okay, this new year beginning today, I'm going to just make sure that I never make another decision, uh, important decision anyway, without uh, going to God first, without finding out what he wants and to stay focused on him and not myself. Because whatever he calls us to, he'll also give us the courage and the strength and the ability to do it. So if, you, if God's calling you to do something, again, an old adage is God doesn't send someone to China without putting, first putting the love of China in their heart. That's what God does. And so when we talk about this newness, it's a newness of freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from selfishness. It's a, this freedom of just staying focused on the God. You know, um, it's just fantastic. And so this is what God wants. So if you've been kind of stuck, hopefully this time will help you to get unstuck. And uh, if you've been struggling with sin or struggling with addiction, this is the time where God wants to set you and make you new. Huh? And... Um, as I was looking at my Bible, and I just realized I left my, uh, and I don't have another copy here, but uh, another set, I left my glasses at home. Anyway, but I can still read enough. Anyway, it's just a little blurry. But in uh, 520 or 510, in 1985, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? I was... Um, I was born in 60, so 70, 80, 25 years old, holy cow. And I was in Assisi, and I got to read. We were a bunch of seminarians and uh, with the priests, and I got to read in Assisi. And I read this in Assisi in front of everybody, and I, I uh, marked that in my Bible. It's one of the greatest things you can do is whenever, you, whenever the Lord speaks to you is right when he spoke to you. Okay, what, what did he say to you? But anyway, it says, May I never boast of anything. You know, listen to that. May I never boast of anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through it, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live now is no longer my own. It means nothing whether one is circumcised or not. That means religious practice. For them, it was circumcision. But any religion, a religious practice in itself means nothing if it's apart from God means nothing. All that matters is that one is created anew. All that matters is that one is created anew. So it's a much bigger thing than, oh, I got baptized, or I got confirmed, or I went to confession. If we're not created anew by that, you know, where the grace of God doesn't come into us and give us this new beginning, this... Uh, new time. And so we need to make sure that if this isn't just something we're reading, but something we're allowing God to work in us. But the first part of that is we die to self. And again, that's grace. But to die to self means that we're not focused on ourselves or our trying harder or our, our the things we do for God instead of the things God does for us. And the more religious people I know, and I've known a lot throughout the years, me being one of them, is religious people focus on themselves and what they do for God. And they love to tell people what they do for God. And I'm a Eucharistic minister, and I do this, and I do that, and I say five rosaries a day. People come to confession like that all the time. Father, let me tell you what I'm doing good. And I, ah, 
I could care less what you're doing good. I want to know what you're doing bad. This is called confession of sin so that it keeps you focused that this is who I am without God. I don't want to hear you come into <coughs> confession and bragging to me all the things you and I do for God. That is not important. What's important is all that God has done for us. And again, it keeps us focused on him, not on myself. Again, no matter how many times I got to tell you this, Christianity is not focused on self. So when you're telling everybody, oh, I'm a Eucharistic minister. Ah, that wasn't of God. It was all about you. Ah, you're such a filled with person of ego. Oh, and I'm a good lector. Oh, I read every week and I go to daily mass and I say my daily rosary and I do a divine mercy chaplain. And I, 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 It's all about me. That's never of God. Now, sometimes we might share with others to encourage them that they can do it. We might share what we have done, uh, not for what we have done for God, because it's all done by grace, but give them examples of what we can do and what God's calling us to do. But when we're bragging, um, and I've done it, are you kidding me? My spiritual director used to get on my case about it all the time. You know, and so we got to make sure that we're focused on God. So we have to be crucified with Christ. So that really means that I have died um, and I no longer live, but Jesus lives inside of me. So when I'm only focused on myself and I'm focused on my past, I'm not dead yet. And we're not talking about a physical death. We're talking about a spiritual being set free of ourselves and our past. Do you live in freedom? A focusing on God in the future? Or do you live in slavery or selfishness? Do I live in slavery of selfishness where I'm just focused on myself, my wants, my needs, whether I'm doing good for God, whether I'm doing bad for God, look at all the things, or am I just letting it all go, just letting it all go and focusing on the future? This is where God is calling us. Huh? I always love, like again, to go back to St. Francis. I read that uh, thing here in uh, Galatians 6, 14 and 15. But Francis used to say, you know, and he had one of the biggest orders in the world before he died. And he went to a, a big chapter of all the uh, members. And uh, it was right before he died. And he sat there and says to them, after all the miracles, all the great things they had done, all taking care of the poor, he said, up until now, brothers, we have done nothing. Up until now, brothers, we have done nothing nothing. And that's a saint. Not looking at, oh, look what I've done. Everything is looking at Jesus, about what God can, you know, if you and I are still alive, he has a reason and a purpose for our life. So even if we're retired, even if you're sitting home or sitting in a nursing home or you're sitting there watching us and saying, oh, Father, you don't get it. I'm done. No, you're not. If you were done, you wouldn't be breathing anymore. As long as you're alive, God has a plan. Whether you're offering up your sufferings for others and your family or people don't know him, whether you're st stuck in a nursing home and you can't move and you're offering up all that for people to come to know Jesus, whether you're like a Carmelite nun now where all you do is pray and pray. And again, not to pray for yourself. That's a waste of prayer. Let that up to God pray for others, to be, you know, again, what is Jesus doing right now? He is interceding for the world. In Hebrews, it says that. And so what can we be doing? We can be interceding with Jesus for the world. So no excuses about, well, again, I was with uh, a family member uh, the other day, and uh, she has went through, a, and she's younger, she's went through a hard time this year, as we all have. And she was going on about, you know, everything's done and dead for me. I said, it's enough. And she startled her, as I have a habit of doing. I said, that's enough. That's why you're so miserable. You're so miserable because you're only focused on yourself and your pain. You're focused on all the loss. You're focused on all that stuff. You have died, but in the wrong way. You keep living as a zombie. You gotta focus on other people. You gotta, because she says, oh, I haven't bought a gift for anybody. And I, I don't get these people. I just don't get them. If you're one of them, it's time to repent. 
You know, people that don't buy uh, gifts for their mothers or fathers at Christmas, people that don't buy gifts for their spouse at Christmas, are, are you completely out of your mind selfish? Is that what people are nowadays? And yet I can't tell you how many people around me uh, they don't buy anything for anybody of their family. Well, that's just horrible. You gotta be generous. That's the surest sign that you are a follower of Jesus Christ is that you're a generous person. So if you didn't buy anything for anybody this past Christmas, shame on you. Just shame on you. Well, Father, there's no one for me to buy for. You could have taken care of the poor more on that day, couldn't you? You could have reached out to the the people in your neighborhood that don't have nothing or the people that are shut-ins. Well, I am a shut-in. Then you could have wrote uh, uh, wrote a Christmas letter to someone else who was a shut-in. You get over focusing on yourself, and then you will be set free but you gotta be crucified to yourself. You gotta stop about, well, I'm in pain, so I can't take care of anybody else. Now, I get it. Like this year, I didn't send Christmas cards out because it was just overwhelming. But I still wrapped over 240 presents this year for different people. Huh? My staff on all things, they always get at least three presents from me and a monetary gift. Everybody in my staff, both at the foundation and the thing, give them money from the foundation and I write out a check of my own money. I didn't feel like doing any of that this year. But to do it is to get over myself. And so I just don't get it. This year I've never experienced so much selfishness in other people when it comes to that. Even the people that have given so much and you know they're blessed and their family gives them so much and they don't give them anything, not even a card. Really? Is that a person of Jesus Christ? Even if they go to daily mass, even if they go to their services once a week and they talk about Jesus. If you're not generous, you're not living the life that God created you to live. And so when it comes to this new beginning, let yourself die. Just be more concerned about taking care of other people and you'll see your release from slavery and you'll see joy start creeping back into your life. But if the only thing you do is focus on how bad life is and this stinks and that stinks and, you know, I've had a bad year. I've had a horrible year. I can't wait till this year is over. (laughs) But God has a great plan for the future. And so I can stay stuck in the past and say how bad this year was stunk and how bad it was and I lost everybody and da-da-da. I can do it. It's not going to make me feel any better. It's going to make me feel worse. Or I can look about Jesus has great plans. Huh? I mean, just this year, I get to go to California in a couple of weeks so I can uh, <sighs> renew myself or let the Lord renew me better. I get to go to uh, the Holy Land again. There's still some spots open for the Holy Land. And when it comes to like the Holy Land trip, we have 63 people coming now. We still have room for more, but we're fine, more than fine as we are. But some of people have not, have decided not to go to the Holy Land because of one reason, fear. And so like something could happen. Something could happen to you as you walk out the uh, house today. Never let fear dictate how you live your life. Just don't do it. Fear should never dictate how you live your life. So trust is a replacing that. So if you've always wanted to go to the Holy Land, then come with us on May 10th. It's a 10-day uh, tour. It's fantastic. You know, I had friends of mine who just recently, they, they signed up for the tour and they weren't sure you know, they were back and forth about whether they have enough money for it. And they end up, one of them, that's a husband and wife, the wife end up winning uh, her complete ticket free. Wow. God takes care of you when you trust him. So, but you don't let your fear determine uh, how you're going to live your life. You let your faith determine how you're going to live your life. So if the Lord puts something on your heart, then you do it. You don't just sit there and say, no, I'm too afraid. Duh. What, what are you going to do when you drop dead one day and you let your fear stop you from doing the things you really wanted to do and now it's too late? So don't ever do that. Never let fear of anything dictate how you're going to live your life to the future. So if you have fear in this past year, if you've been filled with anxiety, well, it'll stay there as long as you're focused on yourself. And that could be focused on your sinfulness, focused on your strength or your weakness, whatever. Focus on Jesus. He wants to give you new, huh? Another place here is in the book of Revelation. 
In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, it's almost to the very, very end. Chapter 21, verse 5, it says, The one who sat on the throne and said to me, See, I make all things new. Then he said, write down these matters, for they are words that are trustworthy and true. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To anyone who thirsts, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of life-giving water. He who wins the victory shall inherit these gifts. I will be his God, and he or she will be my son or daughter. Look at that. Jesus is the beginning and Jesus is the end. Beginning of your life, beginning of my life, and the end of my life. So as long as we stay focused on Jesus, we have victory. The great victory. When we focus on ourselves and our past and how we haven't done things well. It doesn't matter. Think of all the great things. God's giving us another year. 365 days by his grace. What will we do with it? What will you do with this new year? Will you waste it on yourself and your past and your struggles? Or will you just focus on God and look at all the things that God's going to do for you? Huh? Again, it talks about, I just, for this um, thing as I was looking at it, I pulled out all the places about starting over again in Scripture. And there are, you just put this in the Bible, you know, what's the Scriptures talk about starting over again. There are, I have seven or eight pages here. And each page has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight uh, verses or so. So whatever that works out. But here in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Jeremiah 29, 15. Isaiah 43, 18. Remember not the former things, let it go. I added the let it go part. Nor consider the things of old. Let it go. I added the let it go part. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The desert of your life, of my life, Lord God of the universe, can make water run through it. Rivers go through the desert of your heart, of my heart, of my life. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and don't I need to hear that this year. And death shall be no more. Neither thou shalt be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Again, when we stay focused on Jesus, no matter what we're going through, we know how it ends. Jesus wins. But again, if we focus on ourselves, the analogy, of course, I always use is St. Peter. When St. Peter, and you've heard this from me before, but when, when uh, Jesus was walking on water and Peter said, Lord, it's, if it's you, let me come walk on the water to you. And Jesus says, come. And he got up and he started walking on the water. Think about it. He was walking on the water. And there was a storm going around. So as soon as he stopped looking at Jesus, as soon as he started looking at himself, I can't walk on water. As soon as he started looking at the storm, there's a storm around me. I can't do this in a storm. As soon as he looked at the past, the boat was safe. I could be in the, I can be in the boat and safe. But no, he looked at everything but Jesus and he fell. And how did he get back up? Jesus, help me. He stopped looking at himself. He stopped looking at the past. He stopped looking at the situation. And he looked at Jesus. In this new year, Stop looking at yourself, stop looking at the past, stop looking at your situation, and look to Jesus. Begin again. The past is past. If you need to go to confession, go to confession. Huh? When people come to confession to me, I just sit there and, uh, especially if it's been a long time, I'll just say, okay, you're brand new. It's like you've never sinned before. Focus on Jesus in the future, not yourself in your past. And some of them look at me and or I always say, okay, now you're a saint. Get out of here. Oh, if only Father. Ah! I say, I said you're a saint. Now live that way. If you walk out of here saying, oh, I can't be a saint, then you never will be. Focus on Jesus, not yourself, not your sin. Focus on the one who paid for your sin and who gave you a new life.
Huh? That's the thing. That's going to keep us all together here. So again, I just know I, I spoke on this in Christmas, and I encourage you to go to my uh, Christmas Midnight Mass homily if you need to hear more about that. Uh, the Christmas Day homily um, is more uh, theoretical, not, not theoretical, more theological. Huh? The uh, Christmas Midnight Mass homily is more uh, about how to live. You know, so just encourage you to go there and talk about how God wants to give you a new beginning. God wants to give you a new beginning. And so it says um, here, we know that all things work together for good. You ever heard that one? Romans 8, 28. Uh, and then confess your sins. Repent, therefore, and turn back, and your sins will be blotted out. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O God, oh God, endures forever. Psalm 138, verse 8. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Same Psalm 138, verse 8. Uh, so Ephesians 1 to 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace. And then he goes on, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you, for God so loved me that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. What kind of hope is that? If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. John chapter, 1 John chapter 13, verse 17. Or John chapter 13, verse 17. Verse Romans 8, I say this at every... Uh, uh, parish mission I give before I give the confession talk. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's conviction. Condemnation, the difference is condemnation keeps us focused on ourselves and says, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good. Conviction is the Lord convicts us of our sins so we can repent of it and we can move and look at him. Again, when we're convicted, we're looking at God. When we're condemned, we're looking at ourselves. Huh? So there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And that means in you and me, and that means we can't be going around condemning the world because Jesus didn't do that, and we can't do it either. Huh? Today, if you watch the Daily Mass, today was one of my zinger days, where people, it went a little bit longer, five minutes longer, and uh, it was uh, just a challenge because it says if you say you're walking in the light and you're hating someone else, you're in the darkness. And then he says, if you're not, you're a liar. You know, again, in John's gospel, not in the one today, but it says if you love God who you cannot see and you hate your brother who you can see, you are a liar. So I said, so let's ask God today, all us holy, holy people who go to daily mass, do you hate anybody? Let the Spirit of God convict you, not condemn you. Is there anyone in your life that you hate? Sometimes it might be a family member. Sometimes it might be a friend or ex-friend. Sometimes it might be an employer or someone you work with. Sometimes it might be a, uh, someone you really don't know, but they're the president or there's someone else and you have hatred in your heart for them. I had a spiritual directee once that says, I hate this priest. Okay. Hate is never of God. So you and I have to follow the commandments according to one John, and the commandment of Jesus is what? That we love one another. So first you have to ask God, is there anyone in your heart that you hate? Just be honest. Stop playing games. And then if you're convicted of hating people, a race of people, a particular person, then ask God to change your heart and ask him to give you his heart so that you can love the people you used to hate. Again, Dorothy Day said, we love God as much as the person we like the least. Didn't even go into the hate, it's going to like. Dorothy Day said, we love God as much as the person we like the least. Doesn't that drive you nuts? And if it does, thank you. You still have life in you. If you're sitting there looking, I don't believe that stuff, Father, then let me tell you, you have death in you. I'm telling you right now, a person of God is like God, and God is love. And if you refuse to be a person of love, you will be damned for all eternity. Why? Because God, who is love, has given you his love and asked you to get out of the way 
and to let him love others through you. And if you refuse to do that, you would hate heaven because heaven's the place where God loves us, where we love him and we love each other forever. So if you want to hate people, you're free to do that. But the consequences of hating people is eternal damnation. It's in hell where people hate. There is no one in heaven who hates. So you got to repent. Let it be gone. Let it be done about what happened to you. Again, it's all focused on you. You got to get rid of it. I got to get rid of it. I'm again, and I sit there and, you know, you might listen to uh, thinking, do I, can I go to hell? Absolutely, positively. There are nights like last night, uh, I take on to, I consider my parish our family. And so there's some people that just don't come to the parish. Some are even on my leadership and they might come once every other month. And then that drives me crazy and I take it personally because I'm the father and for them it doesn't matter. And people are like this all over the world now. Like you might be one of those ones, I don't go to my parish all the time. Well, you should. It's your family. It's coming together for family. If not, then you're not invested. And if you're not invested, then you're just a taker. You go to other parishes because they fill your needs right now. And it's all about me and my wants. Again, that's not of God. You stay at one parish where you commit and you join. And then you're there to give away yourself, to use the gifts you have for the building up of his body, the church. It ain't just about going to the church that's convenient this week for you. It's about being there as a member of the family and giving yourself for them. So anyway, so here I am at night. Like last night, uh, I had to take a, a melon you know, whatever you take to help you sleep, it's natural. Because my mind was going crazy and focused on all this stuff. I was focused totally on me. Uh, can you relate to doing that? And so God wants us to get over that stuff, you know? So uh, we got to go, but, but there, there's no condemnation. God isn't condemning me when I get like that. He's convicted me saying, that's not what I want of you. Okay, then that means if I, if I ignore Christ, I could go to hell forever. And that's not what he wants of me either. And that's not what he wants of you. That's why when I say things like, and if you stop, don't stop doing that, you can go to hell or you will go to hell. I mean it. And I say it strongly so you can repent. Huh? There's uh, always been a part of me that people always know that I'm part John the Baptist. And so there's always got to be that challenge and, uh, you know, like the people whose uh, kids didn't buy them anything for Christmas. I said, you got to tell them that they're wrong and they hurt you. <laughs> you got to do it. Why? Because if not, you can let them continue in their sin and their selfishness and they may not be saved because they're being sinful and selfish. So we got to tell people when they're wrong like that because that's a horrible way to live, not a life of generosity. And so sometimes we got to be strong on people, and that's why sometimes I am strong on you. But the whole reason that I do this, the whole reason, there's a lot more on there if you want to find more places about, just put in Google uh, scriptures about beginning anew or new beginnings, and you're going to find all kinds and spend time with them praying. But I tell you all this and I challenge you, and, and, I, and again, it ain't just challenging you, I'm challenging me. It ain't like, oh, I got all this stuff together. You poor people, if you were just more like me, please. The reality is you poor people, if you could go and surpass me, because I'm not doing well sometimes on this stuff. So I'm just planting the seed of God's word and to tell you where God's calling all of us to. If you're like me, you might make two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes one step forward, two steps back. It all depends on the day. But as long as you're going the direction that God wants you to go and you're focusing on Jesus, not yourself, and when you fall, you just get up and say, Jesus, this is me without you. This is me just looking at me in my past without you. Jesus, help me to look at you in the future. And so the Lord is about to give all of us, or he might be watching this at a later date, and he's already given us the new beginning and today can be the day you decide instead of making excuses for why life isn't better 
and why you're not generous and why you're focused on yourself, that you just surrender it all to Jesus. And you ask Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart, take control of my life. Help me to be generous. Help me to be always other-centered. Help me to always look at you in the future and never at me in my past. And Jesus will answer that prayer. And he will set you free from all that that binds you. And he'll give you a new life. That's what this new year is about. The new life that God wants to give all of us. And it begins when we crucify ourselves or crucified with Jesus We let him take control and we give him and stay focused on him and the future, not ourselves and our past. Got it? Get it? You hate me. (laughs) You're going to do it. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay. So now's the time for questions and everything else on here. And so... uh, Again, I don't have my glasses, but I will do as best I can. I can usually read pretty well off a uh, the iPad here. Honky Tonk, Johnny Gumbo, Merry Christmas, Father Larry. Thank you. There are 12 days in Christmas, so we still are in Christmas. But thank you for your prayers. Can you spend a little time on Revelations and how we should handle it, all the symbolism? Again, the book of Revelation is a fantastic book. And I encourage you, though I don't agree with the theology anymore of Dr. Hahn uh, because he is not a Pope lover and he's spoken against the Pope. He has fantastic reality. I mean, the guy is beyond gifted. But the problem with all of us that when we get gifted, we kind of start thinking that we know it all. And uh, the more we get out there public, the more we think we know it all. I'm not saying that about uh, uh, Father, uh, Dr. Hahn. I'm just saying that he's been more confusing in the recent years and he's taken away from all the great things he's done. So we got to just pray for him. There's no judgment there. It's just all of us are in that. We just got to watch. But he wrote a fantastic book. It's been out for 30 some years on um, the Lamb's Supper. And the Lamb's Supper is a book about the Mass and a book about the book of Revelation. To understand the Mass, you have to understand the book of Revelation. To understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand the Mass. And so his fantastic book is really a book that will just open all that stuff for you. It really helped me. I have uh, almost every parish mission, I encourage people to buy that book. Fantastic book by Dr. Scott Hahn. Um, and that'll help you because he does it fan- very, very, very well. Uh, so I encourage you to get that. That'll help you. But don't be afraid of the book because most of the book has already happened. It's only the last two chapters that haven't. And it was primarily written to a uh, community that was under persecution to give them hope. So hopefully that helps. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hello, Father Larry and everyone. Thank you, Gabby. Good afternoon, Father. I'm curious, what is the experience like for a priest while hearing confessions? It's a very humbling experience, if you will, because, uh, you know, often I've heard everything there is, rape, murder, adultery, bestiality, incest, uh, everything these 33 years. And I can honestly tell you before God that I always think when someone has something particularly sinful, Whoa, what it, what it took them to finally confess that sin. Ah. Now I have the opposite attraction when people want to go to confession every day and they're just focused on themselves and their sinfulness. And if, if you've heard anything from me, it's like forget about yourself, stop focusing on yourself, just get over it and move on, focus on Jesus. So those people drive me a little bit more crazy. And I'm sure I drive them a little crazy. But again, I always think the purpose of when I... Um, forgiving someone their sins in Jesus' name is to give them a new life so to get them over their past and to say, now focus on Jesus. Just stay focused. So it's a fantastic thing. Um, And that's probably what I do more than anything else is hear confessions. So, uh, but it's the greatest grace God's given me. Okay, I would like to just say that although I am an Englishman, I wasn't there when Thomas Beckett was murdered. Very good. That's why I love, I loved, I loved England. I loved London. But they were not very good to Catholics, let me tell you. Not very good to Catholics at all. 
And so I had to keep looking past that. A lot of the big churches that are Episcopalian now or Anglican now, there are churches, we built them, and uh, they took them over. So, but again, that's my whole thing. Sorry there, uh, Harry, but I'm just saying. Okay, uh, Merry Christmas, Father Larry. Do you have a favorite book in the Old Testament? I, I think I go to the most in the Old Testament is either Hosea, because it's a beautiful book about how God keeps running out to love us, and Isaiah has a lot of uh, the sacrificial, uh, the God of uh, who comes the, the sacrificial servant or the suffering servant and talks about the love of God. Um, uh, I always go back to uh, Isaiah 43 is uh, before I, uh, not uh, it's Jeremiah, but Isaiah 43 is be not afraid, be not afraid, be not afraid. I have called you by name, you are mine. Isaiah 43, 1 to 5. When you walk through the water, you will not drown. Walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I am the Holy One of Israel. Because you are precious in my eyes, and you are honored, and I love you. So, I know I come off as a hard, uh, I can't say the word, but uh, you know what I mean. Often. But I'm a real softy inside when it comes before God. In my own prayer life, and uh, when I'm one-on-one with someone who... uh, who needs compassion instead of a kick in the butt. I can give both. I'm better at the kick in the butt. But I can also be, I always used to tell my prep boys, the only time you're going to see a nice Father Larry is in the confessional. And that's why I'd have a line from the beginning of the sanctuary to the end of the door of the cathedral. Because in the confessional, especially for sinful people, very, very compassionate. Again, the only time I'm not is someone that goes to confession and wants to tell, you know, they go to confession and they tell me what good they've done and or they have not can think of one sin they've committed in the last four years. And I can be a little hard on them. And they always wish, like, oh, he's hard. Yep. Same Father Larry, but the way you experience me is the way you are. The same way with God. God is always the same. How we experience him is the way we approach him in humility or in pride. When we're humble, God is so gentle with us. When we're prideful, God is so hard on us. <laughs> it's just the way he, he deals with me and he deals with you. Okay. Hi, Merry Christmas, Father Larry. Do you have a favorite book? There you go. Lawrence of Las Vegas. What advice would you give to, re, uh, to a returning seminarian? Also, go Raven. Shut up. I, I think we just beat the Patriots anyway this past uh, past uh, Christmas Eve, but that's all beside the point. Um, the biggest advice is a returning seminarian. Is you, like a, a seminarian just uh, texted me this other day, and he says, Father, please pray for my perseverance because I'm struggling with perseverance. And I said, remember, your perseverance is to Jesus first. Everything else is secondary. Because sometimes people should persevere. You should persevere on being a seminarian if that's God's will for you but you should persevere in being in love with Jesus. If you come back as a seminarian, you better focus on Jesus more than anything, not the appearance, not the way you look in a cassock or not a cassock, or if people think that you're holy, you stay focused on Jesus. And the best way we all stay focused on Jesus is we pray. I've told all my seminarians who I'm their spiritual director, if you don't do a holy hour every day, Leave the seminary. If the seminarian's not willing to do a holy hour every day, he should not go back to seminary. There's nothing worse than a priest or a seminarian, but mostly priests or bishops or popes who do not pray. It's like a demon from hell. So if he can't commit himself to an hour a day and be with the Lord as a seminarian, then he shouldn't go back to seminary. Praying is more important than breathing. Huh? So, just so you know, <laughs> go Raven, shut up. Anyway, if I could bilocate, where, if you could bilocate, where would you go to whoever would need me at that particular moment? Uh, they say that um, Padre Pio bilocated, but he did it for someone who was dying and so he could forgive them. So just to bilocate, to bilocate, I have no interest in it. But if someone's dying without a priest or someone needs a priest or someone's despairing and I could be there, then I would. And that's, in some ways, we get to do that by what I'm doing right now. So there's some people 
who I'll never meet, but they get to meet me right now on this video, on the internet, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So God can still just, and that's just the way that God deals with us. Sometimes we don't think God's real. God's closer to you than your breath. And the more you pray, the more you'll know that. Okay? Um, let's go on. Do, to do, to do. Bruce, hi, Bruce. Then he said to the crowd, take care to guard against all greed. And though one may be rich, one's life does not consist in possessions. Very true. But when it comes to what's your thoughts on this, that like generosity, if you like when God says God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then later when um, it says in John, do not love the world or the things of the world. Christians love the things of the world more they love and the people in the world way too often. So if you, with whatever you have, if you're generous with it, then you're not loving your possessions. If the only thing you do is hold on to your possessions, then they control you. And then again and again and again, like a parish mission, I'll always start, I'll be in the middle of a talk that night, and then bang, I'll say, what if right now you were to drop dead and the God of the universe came to you and says, I will now give to you what you love the most forever? Would that be him? And can you prove it by the time you give him every day? Or do you work for money and possessions and all that stuff? Or do you, you know, do you have more time watching TV, more time buying things, more time working than you do in prayer? Because what you love, you prove what you love by the time you give to things. That's why praying is so important. So more people are more concerned about uh, taking care of their own possessions. Greed the way to go against greed is the deadly sin is generosity. So I talk about you have to give stuff to others for Christmas. If you're alone, you take care of the poor, but you just got to get out of yourself. You got to get out of yourself. Greed, it's all about me. There's nothing about others when a person is greedy. They just want more and more and more for me. And again, if you're that person, do not despair. This isn't about condemnation. It's about conviction. Repent this new year and begin again. Be generous. Be generous. And you can start your generosity by making sure you tithe. 10% of your income minimum goes to God. doesn't have to go to the church, please. But it has to go to the poor. Whatever you do, I always say give 5% to the church because it feeds you and 5% to the poor because they need you to survive. But that just shows if you're a person who can, who consistently, my last thing, do you consistently take care of the poor? If you can consistently give 10% of your income off the top before taxes, now you're a person of generosity. If you're a person that says, well, I'll give whatever I have left over, you are not a person of generosity. You're a person to put yourself first. And then if there's anything left over, I'll take care of others. Trust me. When you put God first instead of yourself, God will bless you. When you put yourself first, he will not bless you. Huh? So that's what I think about that there, Bruce. Hi, Margaret. Happy New Year's to all you too. Pray for both Benedict. Of course, uh, I was going to bring that up. And but when people are watching this, he might have already gone to the to be with the Father. Pope Benedict, as as I'm recording this, of course, is on uh, Saint Francis. Saint Francis, Pope Francis says he's uh, very sick, and he's in his 90s. He could be going home, and he's been a good and faithful man. And uh, to see the face of Jesus will be a great thing for him. But we should pray that the devil doesn't try to have him focus on anything else, because especially when you're dying. You sure as heck don't want to be focused on your past or be focused on yourself. You really just want to be focused on Jesus. So we pray that he has comfort, knowing that he is so loved by the Father, and the Father will just bring him to himself forever. Be the greatest thing. But yes, let us pray for uh, Pope Benedict, a good, good man. 
I don't hate people. Very good. Only bad actions. Good. If you can make that distinction and really make that distinction, then that's pretty good. A lot of people cannot. I always go to my parish for Sunday Mass, but I go to other parishes or shrines for confession and daily Mass sometimes because they, they have them at times and they don't conflict at my work. Is that okay? Of course it's okay. Again, as long as you're doing things for your parish. Um, sometimes I'm on the road, like uh, uh, from the 9th to the 20th, I'm going to be on vacation, so I will not be in my parish for two weeks. I'll say private Masses. Sometimes I'll go to another Mass, um, wherever I happen to be, but sometimes that makes me crazy, so I don't know, but you should be consistent with your church and your parish, that's all, and again, uh, it means you most of the time go to your parish, most of the time, again, if you go and once a month you go to another parish, that's fine, if you only go to your parish once a month and three other uh, times go to other parishes, that's a problem, and I find that the younger people do this more than the older people, the older people are always about uh, good, bad, or indifferent. This is my parish. Good pastor, bad parish. This is my parish. I'll be here longer than them. The younger people in their 30s and that go from place to place. It's all about their convenience. And not everybody, of course, but a lot of them. A lot of those type people are the ones that don't get others' presents for Christmas. What is going on? But again, my job is just to convict, not to condemn. So there you go. So why is there so much division in the church? Because of pride. We all think that we all know better. And that's why the thing that saves us, even if you read today in the Office of Readings, uh, Thomas Beckett, he talks about how submission to the Pope is so important. The reason that there is the, uh, this break-off in Rome, I mean in uh, London, was because he would not submit to the Holy Father. And so he started his own church. There are people today in the church, especially in America, that will not submit to the Holy Father. A schism is coming very soon. A schism is coming. And the way you're going to find out if you're in the true church or a church that worships itself is if you're in submission to the Holy Father. From the very beginning, this has been the promise of God. So again, when the schism comes... Make sure you're in the boat of Peter. Just make sure, okay? But Father, that is, I don't like him. I don't agree with him. Ah, that ain't what I said. Humble yourself. Don't be filled with pride that you think you know more than anything. Okay. What if there are certain people you try to avoid and don't uh, stay close to and pray for them? Is it okay and still considered hate? It's not considered hate when you hate someone you with you wish bad on them. Um, you know, you, you rejoice when bad things happen to them. You refuse to talk to them. To avoid people because they, let's say they hurt you. You don't have to stay in abusive situations. You've heard me say that before. But to hate them, it takes too much energy and it keeps you focused on self. Again, there are people in my life, I wouldn't say I hate. I can't think of anyone I hate. There's people I don't like. Uh, but I'd still do anything for them, and I've proven that again and again. Uh, and that's grace. It isn't me. But what I can do is say, Lord, I think it's impossible to love this person. So I give you permission, Jesus, to love them through me. And then get out of the way. But if you make that prayer you know that you're well beyond hate. You're really wanting God to love them, and he does. There isn't one person God created who he hates. So there can never be one person who God created who we hate. So get out of the way. Jesus loved them through me because I can't do it. Hi, Father, I just joined when you asked this morning who you can forgive. I said, who do you hate? I can only think about myself. I'm pretty forgiving and everyone else. Yeah, but there's also the self-hatred, Chris. And that is not of God. It's of the evil one. You got to repent of that. You just got to. And ask the Lord to, for his eyes to see you the way he sees you. The devil keeps you way too focused on yourself and your sinfulness. And you become a slave to that. Jesus wants to set you free. So again, this new year, go back to the beginning of this thing later when we're done. It's all about what God is calling us to this new year. And he wants to set us free from staying focused on ourselves and our past, Chris. Okay? 
Merry Christmas. The blessings all day season. Thank you, Father. George, head to Exodus 90 program. Heard do I, I heard it of course i've heard of it the younger people think it's the greatest thing ever and i think it's the greatest thing ever too i won't do it because i won't take cold showers i'm very very sorry about that i know the guy is a priest from uh the diocese of uh, in indiana um door who started when he was uh, teaching at the seminary uh, anyway father door and, uh, but I'm not into cold showers. That's just not my thing. Why? Because, and again, you got to watch it because if it keeps you, if it fills up your pride, like, look what I just did for God. I took cold, cold showers for God. I, I didn't watch, uh, uh, the, uh, I didn't use the internet. I didn't watch TV every day. Oh, look what I did. It can become, look what I did for God instead of what God did for me. So if you go into it, like God, I can't do this, but by your grace, if this is what you are calling me to, then I'll do it by your grace, not by my power. Now it can be a fantastic thing. So don't let it fill you with pride. Let it fill you with humility that you can't do it, but God can do it for you. But I'd encourage you, George. That's a good program. Praise God for your daily homilies, Father. Every day it gives me something to reflect on. I hope so. Uh, Father Pavone's uh, father passed away yesterday. Yeah, I know. But again, uh, like I was even talking, uh, some of my good friends who are speakers, they're still calling him Father. Rome has taken that away from him. He's now Mr. Pavone. We feel very, very, very sorry for him and all the stuff he's going through and especially losing his father. I know what that's like to lose my father and my mother. So I know the struggle he's going through and we have to pray for him. But he is no longer father. He is Mr. Pavone. And that's what Rome says. And again, um, you don't find many priests that have been... Uh, fighting this whole thing because they know how important obedience is. We cannot be priests unless we're obedient to someone beyond ourselves. That's what keeps us together. So, just let's pray for him. Let's pray for his family. Let's pray that Mr. Pavone becomes a great saint. He sees the face of God and he brings many people to Christ. You don't have to be a priest to do that. And so he's still called to sanctity and still called to holiness. Who knows what the future will bring him if he humbles himself? Who knows what God can do with him if he humbles himself? The more he yells and screams about all this now, the more the devil rejoices. But if he humbles himself, God could do great things. So let's pray. Pray for him. Pray for his father's eternal rest. Pray that he finds peace and pray that he becomes a great saint. Okay. Thank you, Father. God bless you and thanks for doing God's will. I hope I understand. I hope I stay humble. Do priests keep track of how many masses they do? I don't. There might be some who do. Uh, again, it could be a prideful thing, though. I mean, I just know that uh, I've said at mass every day at least one, sometimes four, sometimes five. Uh, when I was younger, because I had so many different uh, assignments, and the weddings and funerals and everything else, that it, it's a lot of masses. But I don't, uh, I just make sure I say mass every day. Even on vacation, uh, I will be at a, uh, like I always take a mass kit with me, and so usually early in the morning when I get up to my whole yard, I'll say mass, I'll stop, um, and then do my time with Jesus and then receive communion. Sometimes I'll take a little monstrance down with me and uh, have two little uh, candles next to it, and I'll do my adoration that way. It's different every time. Sometimes I'll go to a church and sit there and spend time in adoration in a church, whatever the Lord's calling me to do that particular day. Um, so we won't have, uh, for those two weeks, we will not be having our live uh, time here together because I need a break from this too. I'll still put out my stuff every morning or every night. Uh, my t tweets and everything, well, Mer Mo will do that. I'll, I'll do them. I'll prepare them all before I leave. And then Mo will just send them out or Sarah or someone in the office will send them out every day. And then we'll go from there. Okay. So praying for you. Thank you. And Happy New Year's. And that's when I want to wish everybody it's time to leave. I just pray and I love you. And I'm praying that you begin this new year new that you let Jesus take full control of your life. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your past. Don't look what you do for him. Look at Jesus. 
Be grateful for all that he has done for you. No longer live. Let Jesus Christ live inside of you. Let him set you free from your self-hatred, from your slavery, from your addictions. And begin again. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. May Almighty God bless you and protect you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. See you next week.